All right. Y'all ready for the word? All right. I want you to go in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, Old Testament book of Daniel. We're starting a brand new series today that is getting us ready for vision day for what God wants to do. And we're calling it 10, 10 X, 10 X, 10 times. How many know that God wants to do something greater and bigger than what he's doing already in your life? I want you to think about this question. Is my, does my vision line up with my perspective of what I see as possible? Or does my vision line up with what God wants to do? Does my vision line up with what I, my perspective of what's possible? Or does my vision line up with what God wants to do? Daniel chapter one. Verse eight, it says, but Daniel resolved, he made a decision not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord, the King who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men, your age? The King would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test, everybody say test, your servants for 10 days. Say 10. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Does that sound good to anybody? My kids would literally die. That would be like the last you heard of them. It's just like vegetables and water. It's, it's over. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and he tested them for how many days? 10 days. At the end of how many days? 10 days. They looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who had ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and he gave understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Now listen to this, verse 20. In every matter of wisdom and understanding, about which the king questioned them. He found them, how many times? Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Ten times. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with just being smarter. But ten times smart, I mean, it's like considerable amount of smarts when they're saying you are ten times. Now, it's interesting, it doesn't say they were ten times more anointed. They had a ten times better prayer life. They had 10 times better worship. It says that they were 10 times better in the areas of wisdom and in understanding. Whenever the scriptures talk about something so radical, like, like 10 times, I start to pay attention. 10, like 10 times smarter. Y'all remember when like supersizing first became like a thing? It's like you could supersize your meal. None of you eat fast food. Uh, don't, don't lie. Uh, super, I mean, I used, I used to feel like I was like just, you know, I had money like that when I could supersize it. You know, 39 cents. They're like, sir, would you like to supersize it? Why not? I mean, I can afford it. 39 cents. Supersize it. To supersize your meal, they already had small, medium, and large, 
right? But supersize. It's like classic America, right? <laughs> like, we have large, but you can have extra, extra large. It, f- four more fries in there for 39 cents. Supersize. But for us, supersize is usually a size bigger. But I want you to think about this. Supersize is not 10x. And for many of us, the way we see our own vision or purpose is we try to do more than we've done. But it's rarely 10x. We're like, God, I'm going to give more than I gave last year. I'm going to sow more than I sowed last year. I'm going to volunteer more than I, I'm going to worship more than I did. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to supersize my spiritual life. But let me ask you, is, is your supersize your size or is it God's size? Is, is, is what you're supersizing, is, is, it, is it your measurement a possibility or is it actually what God could do? I don't know if you know this about the history of our church, but 10 years ago, this was not a building. 10 years ago, this, this was a field. And as we have reached, and this year we're reaching 10 years since Jamie and I took the church, we're, we're looking back at what God's done in the last decade. And, and, and there was no Wiley campus. There was no Frisco campus. There was no Frisco building. There was no Dream Center. There was no building here. We were meeting in the kids' building. Literally, you would walk in one door and out the other. It was like drive-through Christianity over there. That's the only way we could do it. And, and I'm not too tall, but I like that building because I can high-five the ceiling. It makes me feel tall. And people come in one door and out the other. Four services, that's all we had. And this was a field. We had no school. We had no preschool. We barely had a Mother's Day out. And we were just we just had a bunch of radical people that believed that God wanted to do something. But as I look back, I'm thinking God did a lot in 10 years. I'm starting to look back our risks from previous years and I'm realizing God has done a lot in the last 10 years. But then I started thinking if God's done so much in the last 10, then then what does he want to do in the next 10? If God's done all of these things and so many people been saved and and, and so much expansion and so many people set free, what, what, what what does God want to do in the next 10. So I've, I've been praying into this, thinking about, man, 10, the next 10, and, and we're getting ready for vision day, and the Roman numeral for 10 is, is X. I'm like, oh man, that's awesome, I like that. It's like that Roman numeral, 10, it's been 10, we're looking to the next 10, but then I started thinking 10, 10 X, 10 X, 10 times, 10 times. And I started praying this, Lord, could you take us 10 X in the next X? 10 X in the next 10. I want you to think about this. What if God could not just supersize your life to be a little bit better than what it is, but what if he could actually 10x your reach? What if he could 10x your productivity? What if he, what if he could t- 10x your ministry? What if he could 10x your family? What if, what, if you, what if he could 10x your business so that you begin to be a resource for the kingdom of God like you never had? But what, if, what, if, what, what, if, what if he could? And some of you are like, oh, 10X, that, that's so big, that's so lofty. That's why, you, that, that's why you never experience it. Because if you can't think it, you're never going to walk into it. You, you have to enlarge the place of your thinking to understand that my measurements have been my measurements, but God measurements are on a different level. When God's anointing came on the Hebrew children, all of a sudden they had an, an anointing on their natural abilities and they said they're 10 times smarter 
And this struck me because it wasn't 10 times like more spiritual gifts. It's just 10 times smarter, 10 times more wisdom, 10 times more understanding. When you look at the story of Daniel, if you don't know this story, is that these men were taken captive. When, when, when you talk about Daniel in the lion's den, it's because he was in captivity. If you talk about the Hebrew children that were thrown into the fiery furnace, it was because these four men had been taken into captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, was taking ground. They were conquering cities, and they would capture some of the men that they would conquer the city in, and they would take the best of the best, and they would train them in the ways of Babylon so that they would become now in the king's service. So they would take them from the kingdom that they were in, they would bring them into a new kingdom and they would re-educate them and they would rename them. Once you see this, they would re-educate them and they would rename them. I'll show you in Daniel chapter one, a couple verses before where we read, it says, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, king of his court officials, you got to say that fast and don't pause, <laughs> to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. So the, the young men that they captured were not losers. They were not misfits. They were not like the unqualified, you get to serve the king. He says, I want the best. I'm going to take the best. So it would be easier for me to understand if somebody was just like, wasn't all there. And, and then it's like, man, they're 10 times smarter. We're like, man, God did a miracle. It's awesome. But it wasn't that. It was the geniuses. It was the entrepreneurs. It was, it was the young men that were brimming with talent. And, and, and God's anointing came on them to bring them to a place where the outsiders, the world looked at them and said, they're 10 times smarter than everybody else. In, in verse 5, it says, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were, be were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were in to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The chief official, listen to this, gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. The first thing that Babylon did was attempt to re-educate and rename them. Can I tell you that the chief aim of the enemy is to re-educate you and to rename you. It, 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 it's to strip you of your God-given identity so that you actually think that you're less than. So you actually think that God can't do it. And it's the, the chief aim of the enemy is to re-educate you in the, in the ways of Babylon. Babylon means it, it, or is a type and shadow of the world. A lot of definitions point to Babylon being evil or pointing to the world. So, so the world has a, has a strategy to re-educate you. So you speak the world's language. 
So you operate like the world. You do business like the world. And to rename you, you're not God's called. You're not God's chosen. You're just one of us. Try to rename us. Try to rename what truth is, what's right, what's wrong. In fact, we in modern day, right now, America, we are living out Babylon days. We are calling what's evil, good, good, evil. We don't understand what's right or what's wrong. We can't tell genders apart. We are confused on what is truth, absolute, or partial, or optional, or personal. Friends, there is an absolute truth that we must live in and that we must abide by. There is a word of God that is his true and infallible word. It is the guideposts for life and how we live. But if you're not careful that even by well-meaning voices, we will be re-educated and renamed, you are called by God. You're chosen by him. The Bible says you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who called you. You gotta know who God calls you. You have to know your identity. You gotta know what he says about you because if you don't know who he calls you, then you'll be named by your trauma. You'll be named by your failures. You'll be named by your insufficiencies. You'll be named by the difficulties that you go through. Or worse of all, instead of just having some bad name, we'll settle for a different name of the thing that God wanted to do through us. You were created to advance God's kingdom. You were created with God-given purpose. But you will never accomplish God's purpose with man's identity. See, people don't understand this, that in our world, we have all been funneled to believe certain things. It's the power of algorithms. Some of you get ads that I never see because you search for things I don't search for. I like things that you don't like. You like things that I don't like. So you see things and you can have information that I've never had. You know why? It's the power of algorithms. You, you ever been talking with somebody? Don't type it. Don't, don't do it. And you talk about a product and all of a sudden you're scrolling and you get an ad for it. Like, how creepy is that? They're listening. It's there. You, 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 have been out, you have been funneled to reinforce the way that you already think. If you have one political persuasion, all you see are things that reinforce your political persuasion. If you have one belief about a circumstance, a happening, or why it happened, or what happened, all you get will be information that will actually reinforce the way that you already believe. This is how the world's created to re-educate us and to rename us. That is why the people of God have to know who they are. They have to know the word of God and they have to allow the word of God to grow in them, to reject every type of re-education or renaming, to be who God has called us to be. I was, I was talking with the board and I was talking with Pastor Steve about, about the vision for this next year. And, and I said, man, I, I've just been stuck on the scripture that they were 10 times smarter. And I'm just believing if God can do it for the Hebrew children, then he can do it for us, that, that God would give us the ability to problem solve and to strategize. Because if you didn't know this as a church, we're not trying to have a big church. We're not trying to have a bunch of campuses. We are believing that wherever God calls us, we're believing for city transformation. 
That, 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 that means that we're not content when the building's full. We're, con- we're content when the, when the streets are empty. It's a different metric that we are living on. We want the, the transformation to happen in the city through the church of Jesus Christ. But when I look at the next decade, I'm saying, how are we going to transform the city? It's not in trying to get people to come to church regularly. It's bigger than that. It's, it's way bigger than that. We, we have to change the economic makeup of every city that we're in. We have to have godly businesses that are raised up that change the moral climate of the business culture of every city that we're in. We have to change the education system of every city that we're in. It's, when you start looking at city transformation and reverse engineer it, you realize we got work to do right now. We're going to have to have a 10x anointing. We're going to have to have 10x understanding and strategy. Not just me. We have to step in to a different level of thinking to say, God, America needs help. America needs you. So we have to move as the church. There are no practical answers for our nation today. There's a spiritual answer for our nation today. It's that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and exalted on the heart of every person. If you want a city to be transformed, then we need the church of Jesus Christ to take over. It's not okay just to have a couple churches on a couple blocks. It has to be an army of people that believe what we sing and believe what we preach and live it out in our daily lives. I was talking with Pastor Steve. I'm saying, I believe in this 10X thing. And he goes, have you ever read that uh, a book by Grant Cardone about like, like 10X? And uh, I was like, no, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever heard of that guy. And um, so I, I, I went home and then I'm like, wait, that sounds familiar. So I started like looking through. I actually have the book. I read it like 10 years ago. And, and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have that book. I, start, I started reading it again. And, uh, and, and he's, he's a author. He's, he's big into sales, coaching salespeople, said a lot of great things, but through secular means, right? And he's done a great job. He says, you got you to gotta think, you got to live, and you have to act 10x. If you're going to accomplish something, and so he, t- he talks about this, but he talks about if you're going to do something great, 10x, then it requires massive action. And so he talks about four levels of action that you usually find. And I want to give them to you because it's really interesting. The first one is no action. Second one is minimal action. The third one's normal action. And the fourth is massive action. Four levels of action. Sounds like a survey across the Church of Jesus Christ. Okay, no, no. Um, no action, minimal action, normal action, and massive action. He said the most dangerous one of these steps is not no action. Because if you're not doing anything, you know you're not doing anything. And you're going to be so desperate that you're going to do something. Right? You can only do nothing for so long before life necessitates you do something. So it's usually these people that really cry out to God because they haven't done anything. Now they're in trouble. Now like, God, we need you. Then there's minimal action. Now these people, you know, you're not doing enough. You already know. It's like, man, I'm just barely skating by, you know, it's just, it's just minimal. See, you feel bad about it already. Don't worry about you. The, the most dangerous is normal action because normal action gives you this sense of well-being because you're doing the right thing. So I'm doing normal action, but you are living so far beneath what is possible. The normal action lends to this belief that at least I'm doing it. At least I'm doing it. And you, and you work the same job 
the same hours, pay the same bills, do the same thing. It's called status quo. And, and you need an encounter with 10X to blow off the normalcy of just doing the thing because there's more in you than just doing what it takes to live another day. This life is not just about survival. This life is about the kingdom of God taking over. It is about the light of Jesus Christ shining into every home and every school and every family and every neighborhood. This thing is not about just doing the status quo. This thing is about massive action. Taking normal action is the worst of all action because it deceives you into thinking that you're going or that you're doing enough. Fulfilling your God-given purpose is not someone else's, is not mine. It's your duty. It's your obligation and it's your responsibility. So many people look to, man, if someone else does this, if I get this break, I get this promotion. No, you're responsible for you. Stop being a victim of life and just decide that if I can believe what God said, then I can do what he said. So if God put some anointing on some Hebrew children and they were 10 times smarter, then why can't he do it to you? Why can't he maximize your own ability to understand and to dream and to strategize so that you can make a difference in this world? Stop relying on somebody else to make a break for you or get rich quick some idea or some chase or some fantasy and put your head down and say, God, whatever it takes, the answer is yes. And let him put his anointing, God's super, on your natural. See, it would have been easier to think if God just would have like made them super spiritual. But it's not. He anointed the natural thing. He anointed the thing like understanding and education and wisdom and strategy. In order to live with massive action, I want to give you a couple of things as we close. Massive action. Not none, not minimal, not normal. Normal's gross. I hate normal. I hate status quo. Massive action, 10X action. Saying, Pastor, what are you talking about? The church, my business, my life, all of it, all of it. I'm talking about regaining your God-given identity to not live in a poverty mindset, but to live in an abundance mindset. God, God didn't 10X the Hebrew children so they could be 10X, they could write 10X books and have a 10X podcast. He, he 10X the Hebrew children so that they could lead people out of captivity in Babylon. He, he 10X'd their life so that they could make a greater difference. Don't get it twisted. When I say abundance, I'm not talking about just so that you can enjoy the fruit of your labor. And God's not opposed to you having things or being prosperous or having success. I'm just saying, don't get it twisted. The reason God blesses is so that we can be a blessing. And if you would entrust your gifts and your talents to God, God will put his super on your natural and he can, t- he can 10X. You can supersize, he can 10X. But in order to have massive action, there's a couple of things that you gotta have that are really important. And this will really set the stage for everything we talk about the next couple of weeks as we line out the vision that God's given us as a church. Because if you don't get this, you're probably gonna have a hard time having faith next week. Because when I line out vision that I feel like God's put on our heart. If, if, if you don't, if you haven't changed the way, I'll say it like this, if you haven't changed the way that you think, 
you're gonna be almost offended at the magnitude of the vision. So the first thing you have to do is that you have to have 10X thinking. This is how we think. But some of us, our biggest problems are the way that we think. Can God, will he, is he mad? Is he judging me? Is he? We have to have 10X thinking. God's a good God. He's a God of more than enough. He's a God that has all power. He's a God that has all ability. He's not, he's not an almost God or a partial God. He's God that has it all. He, I have to change the way that I think. One of the biggest mistakes you can make in your life is setting your targets too low. You gotta change the way that you think. What, what, what a travesty to get to the end of our life and realize that what we could do with God-given purpose and anointing is this, and we settled for this. No, that's, that's not what we're trying to do at this church. This is not what we're trying. Is God, if this is our purpose, and it's 10x my ability, and it's 10x what I can even see as possible, I'm gonna expand my thinking to think differently. I'm gonna have 10x thinking. God, you can do it. You can do it. Can a nation be saved in a day? It's Old Testament scripture. Oh, wow. I, we're, we're, we're trying to like barely hold on and survive. We're the people of God. We, we're anointed by him. We, 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 have, we got power that other people don't have. And we walk around like, oh man, America, the world. Oh, let's change your thinking. Could God save a nation in a day? I think he could. Could God transform a city in a weekend? I, I think he could. Could God save your children who are prodigals? And I think he could. Could God heal your body when, when the doctors say there's no other choice? There's no other, I think he can. But you have to change the way that you think because if you can't think it, you'll never see it. 10X thinking, which leads to this. 10X praying. Don't get it twisted. It's not about thinking yourself right. You have to 10X your thinking so that you have the ability to comprehend what God could do. But it's not our power that does it. We're not just trying to just, just man, we'll do this in our own strength. We can't 10X it in our own strength. Some of you might be able to 10X your business in your own strength because you're that good. Think what you could do with the anointing. Think what you could do fulfilling your God-given purpose. 10x praying. Do you know that you won't pray about something that you haven't thought about? So some of us are not even praying dangerous prayers because we've never expanded our thinking to think that there's a possibility that God could. I'll just always be at this job. I'll always barely make it. I'll always scrape by. No wonder you're there. You got to start. You, you know what? I, I, just, I just told some of our staff this the other day. I pulled them aside and I said, I want you to, I want you to start believing God for something. And there was a specific need in one of the departments for a specific type of person to take that department to the next level. I said, I want you to start declaring. I want you to start praying. And I want you to start, start, start believing God for it. I'm tired of hearing you say, you don't have it. You, if we had this, then we could do this. I'm tired of it. Start thinking it and start praying it. Right? Some of us, we spend our whole life complaining about what we don't have. And if you would just begin to think on God's wavelengths, how hard is it for God? I mean, for real. I couldn't God, couldn't God change the heart of your boss 
Couldn't your God, couldn't God breathe on your small business? Couldn't God breathe on your ministry? But if you never think it, you'll never pray it. For many of us, for many of us, we, we only, and this is the truth, you'll only pray what you believe God can do. So this should be encouraging for some of you. If you're praying about it, you actually believe there's a chance that God could do it. Because you would never pray it if you didn't actually think that there was possibly maybe just a slight percentage of a chance that God would come through. So good news, you do have more faith than you think you do. But in order to, to believe it, you have to have the faith to pray it. So it's, it's 10x thinking, it's 10x praying, and then the next one, don't shout, okay? Don't, okay, because I got to explain it first. Because this is, this is where all the Christian people get excited, right? But there's, there's, a, there's a disconnect here. It's 10x faith. 10x faith. So a lot of people like to have big faith, but it's not really faith. It's, a, it's smoke and mirrors. It's big talk. It's not big faith. Big faith moves. It acts. It takes steps. You actually can see faith by what it does. You, you can see faith by the action in which someone is taking. I'll prove it to you. James chapter 2, verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, claims to have it, but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You'll never 10x your potential without faith that steps into the unknown. That's why we call our, our vision sometimes risks. Because what looks like a risk to us looks like obedience to God. But it's faith that takes the step. When God said, buy a building in Oak Cliff, and we're like, oh, no. It takes faith to say yes. When we don't have the money, say renovate the building, build the building. Buy the, when bought our Frisco building, start this ministry, advance our school, whatever it is. But for you personally, in your own life, the faith is going to require you to act. And it's not when the thing shows up, you step into it. That's not faith. Faith is that belief that makes you take the step before you see the answer. Faith is like the Levite priest that stepped in the Jordan River at flood stage. While the water was still rushing, they stepped into it. But when they stepped into it, the water piled up on each side and they walked across on dry ground. But it took somebody stepping into the water so that other people could walk by on dry ground. If we're going to 10x what God's doing in you and in our church and through this organization, through this ministry, then we're going to have to be willing to step into things before we see them. And when I announce vision next week, we're going to have to stir up massive faith. You know the world gets something way more than the church does? The world gets it. If you're going to build something great, it's going to take a lot of money. The world gets it. No problem. Doesn't even bat an eye. And the church is like, I thought God would just like drop a building from heaven. No. You know what's greater to invest in? 
than the things of the world is the kingdom of our God. Are we taking an offering? No, no, I'm trying to expand your thinking. Because if you start thinking out of abundance instead of poverty, you start getting excited about vision instead of wondering, oh, is he going to ask something of me? Even the fact that you would think, is he going to ask something, shows how little your thinking is. If you start, somebody got convicted, I'm sorry. I love you, but you got to expand your thinking. This, 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 is, this, this, is, this is faith 101. This is, God, you're bigger. You're better. You're more than able. And when you walk through difficult times for long enough, it's like a slow drain on your faith. You ever had this happen? It's like you can have moments of faith where you're just like, yes, massive thinking, massive prayers, 10x faith. And then it's like life just hits. And before you know it, what you've gone through has renamed you. Well, I used to believe for that. But now, I was listening to a pastor, if I said his name, you probably know him, really well known, and he was talking to a small group of pastors and he said that the greatest mistake that he's made so far in his ministry, he's been in ministry over 40 years, he says, the greatest mistake that I made in my ministry is I stopped building. That he reached a, a place of success or advancement and he stopped building. You know what that means? That he stopped putting a demand on what God could do because of what God did. He reduced massive action to normal action. He says, it was the greatest mistake that I ever made because God can do infinite, uh, just so, what's the word? Inf infinitely above and beyond what we can ask or imagine he's way bigger than we think but to activate God's power it's not a genie in the bottle and a wish it's expanding my thinking to think like he thinks to learn the language of heaven not of Babylon to learn the name that God's given me not the name that the world gives me someone else might call you a failure someone else might call you a dropout someone else might call you unable or disqualified or unqualified but God sees what he put in you and it's that faith that says God people might not see it people might not recognize it but I'm gonna step into it because you've asked me to do it and then you'll be amazed at how God comes through on your behalf have when you walk in that kingdom identity and under that kingdom authority I was praying this morning I was just going over my notes so this is like this is so people are gonna be excited about some of you like you're wired this way it's like 10x let's go you didn't even need God you just needed someone to say 10x you're like I'm gonna do it and that's good. That's kind of how I'm wired. I'm like, I saw, the, I saw the cover on the book, 10X. I'm like, yes. He starts talking about lazy people. I'm like, yes. I love this guy. But I'm like, Lord, how, how, do we, how do we walk it out together? How do we walk it out? And I felt like the Lord dropped three things like just in my heart so quickly this morning. I just added them this morning that we're going to have to reject passivity. So that means just that normal status quo flow. This is not, this is not the status quo church. Like, Pastor, I'm visiting today, and I was kind of looking for a church that I could, you know, sit through the music and sit through the message, laugh a little bit, and then, like, leave unprovoked and unoffended. That's not here. But there's a lot of churches that do that, and they're great. They're great. But that's not us. You gotta know what you walk into. It's, it's my job to provoke you. 
That's it. I take it personally. To make it personal to you. To not let you settle for a purpose that is beneath your God-given potential. I, someone stopped me after the last service and he goes, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what to say except my 14-year-old is starting to say he hears from God. He goes, I want him to grow in the things of God. He told me this. He goes, but I can't hear from God. He says, I see God encountering my son, my 14-year-old son, and I know it's real because I, I know it's in him, but I'm feeling inadequate because I don't, I'm like, oh, God's, do, uh, God's doing something. If, if he just was in comfort normal, he would feel, he would, be, he would be satisfied with me hearing God for him. But because we're in a place where we provoke, a 14-year-old is saying, I can hear God's voice. I'm finding my purpose. I'm finding boldness. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for our churches, that we wouldn't settle for this normal passivity. But we'd step into a God-fulfilled, purposeful 10x life. I have to reject passivity. I have to reject impossibility. My staff will tell you, there is nothing that I, uh, there's nothing that gets me riled up faster than somebody saying that you can't. In fact, if I ever just, if I ever start just getting old and uh, vision starts to wane a little bit, just like DM me and like tell me I can't do something. That might just like bring me, I might be on my deathbed. If I'm dying someday, 98, just be like, I don't think you can live to 99. I'll probably jump up out of the bed, start praising God, running around. You have to reject impossibility. Impossibility is like a cancer that weighs on your mind and robs you of faith. I don't think I can. I don't think God will. I don't think possibility on the other hand, not just, not just positive thinking anchored in faith is like energy to your soul. God can do it. God will do it. It's not even a matter of if it's just when. So now the thing becomes persistence, not the question of if God will or if, no, it's just. And the last one is, and this is what we'll pray on and we'll leave on this. I have to reject this identity, passivity, impossibility, and identity that comes from my failures, trauma, past experiences, bad experiences. I, I have to refuse to be renamed by the things that I've gone through. I have to be named by what God calls me.